Hello friends, what's happening? So I just discovered something pretty awesome that makes me pretty happy. This is one of those things that, um, this is why we do what we do for moments like this when you have a little Eureka thing. Okay, so um, Alpine is getting a morph plugin. Uh, I don't think I teased this on Alpine Day, but I had it built for Alpine Day. So basically, Morphdom is a tool you've probably heard me talk about ad nauseum, but if you haven't, let me give you the ad nauseum talk. Uh, just kidding. It's basically, Morphdom is a tool that Liveware uses under the hood to patch the DOM. And what I mean by patch is just change the DOM based on HTML it gets from the server. So every time you do something in Livewire, it submits, you know, an Ajax request to the backend, the backend sends new HTML, and then Morphdom is the thing that goes, here's the HTML on the page, here's the HTML from the server, reconcile the two, change the, the HTML on the page. So I use Morphdom because Phoenix Live View used Morphdom when it came out. And so I just, you know, used it. And I've wrestled with Morphdom ever since including it. There's all sorts of changes that I've made to Morphdom's core. I have like my own fork of it because, um, because they're changes that would kind of like break Morphdom itself for all of its use cases. And it's a very, very difficult project to source dive and understand. It's extremely, extremely difficult. Maybe one of the most difficult. Like I kind of understand it and I've had to source dive it 100,000 times, but I still don't really understand it and it's very frustrating. So anyway, so I've wanted to build my own for a while. A, the like the main motivation behind it is just having one that's easier to read. And then B, there's better algorithms, I think, than the one that they use. Um, one problem with their algorithm deals with keys. If you have keys on elements and those elements get swapped around, um, morph, the way Morphdom does in its algorithm is like every time it encounters an element with a key, it like pulls it out of the DOM until later. If it finds it, it then uses it in that other place. Or if it doesn't find it, it like puts it back. And that can create a bunch of weird issues. And so we fixed a lot of Morphdom bugs along the way. But there's one that recently Josh Hanley found and was like, hey, I think this is, you know, a live wire bug. And we start looking at it. I'm like, you know what? I think this is actually a straight up Morphdom bug. Let's just literally try this exact HTML bit in Morphdom itself without Livewire. And we did, and yes, it didn't work. The bug is in Morphdom's algorithm. And I was like, hey, you know, I did write my own Morphdom. It is actually in the Alpine repo. It's just not published as a plugin. But try try the morph function that I have because my morph function, I tried to adhere pretty closely to Morphdom's API so that, um, so that Livewire can use it, you know, can swap to use it basically pretty easily. So he tried it with my Morphdom and it worked perfectly. Um, which was awesome and gave me even more confidence about my Morphdom. I've changed, I've used my Morphdom inside of Livewire and ran all the tests, and I think I got everyone but one passing. And it's one of those tests that you're not sure if like it even should pass, um, but whatever. So my confidence is increasing that this is the way to go. Um, so I figure it's finally time to actually publish it as an Alpine plugin and get it out in the world and do some stress testing before we swap it into Livewire. Um, yeah, so I started doing that and I refactored it a bunch and, you know, wrote a bunch more tests for it and wrote some fun APIs and I don't know, just did a lot of thinking about it, finished all that, then got to write the documentation for it, started writing the documentation and realized that like, this is a deep plugin. It's not something that a lot of people will use directly. They might use um, convenience things on top of it. Like if we have an X morph directive that allows you to just, you know, 
put it on a, a div or something and, and then bind to HTML and it'll like automatically keep it all in sync, which is definitely going to happen. But um, I actually removed the X directive for launch because I don't know, I, uh, whatever, that's a whole other conversation. But, um, so I started writing the documentation, realized like, this is a pretty deep plugin. I can document everything pretty well, which I did like the, the API itself, the different options you can pass in the lifecycle hooks. But the hard part is getting people to understand how it works, the basic DOM diffing algorithm. And the thing is, is it's something that's much better seen than heard. It's a pretty simple thing to grasp if you see a like an animation for it, like a visualization. But if you don't, and you just kind of have to keep it in your head and understand it, or if I have to, you know, like write it out and hand write it out on the docs itself, um, yeah, like you'll have kind of a hard time understanding it. So I wanted to make a visualization and I thought, all right, well, do I roll up my sleeves, go into sketch and start, you know, basically writing slides and then have maybe like an arrow key that you could like press over and back and it'll like walk through a DOM diff. So I'm thinking like two um, elements, one on the left, one on the right, uh, just the HTML of them. So like, I don't know, UL foo bar, uh, UL LI foo LI bar on the left and then on the right, like UL with some class and then LI foo bar and then baz or something. And then like it'll walk through MorphDOM and like highlight both of the first ULs in both and be like, are these the same element? No. What's different about them? One has a class. Okay. Add that class to the, to the left, one on the left. Are their children the same? No. Go to the first child. Okay. LI. Are these LIs the same? Yes. Go to the next child. Are these LIs? Yes. Go to the next child. There's a new LI here and not over there. Well, add it over here. You know, like all the things that MorphDOM's algorithm does internally, which really is fairly straightforward. The, the, the complex stuff comes from dealing with keys. Um, the, the concept of, um, basically like if, if you had some DOM morph that would, um, trip up on an element or replace one element with another, when you actually want it to like move it to a different part of the DOM with a key, that stuff's a little more complex and morph DOM of course supports that. Uh, I'm saying morph DOM, Alpine's morph plugin. So all of this. It's getting to the point that I want to make is that I was thinking about creating this visualization. I probably still will, but I'm like, what if there was a programmatic way that I could actually create a morph, an interactive morpher, like take this tool that I built and actually use the source code and create a page where you could paste in the HTML uh, that you want to morph from and then two, you know, so two bits of HTML, hit run more for something and then watch it do that visualization with your actual code which I thought would be insanely cool, but I didn't know where to start, but these things are kind of fun. So I just start like created a page, start hacking on it. I'm like, well, how am I going to actually pause morph DOM, you know, or my whatever Alpine morph, how am I going to pause it so that when you do something, it is in like a waiting state until you hit the next button, you know? So this is a tough problem. Basically, if you've ever dropped a debugger statement into uh, your JavaScript code, that's what I want it to work like. Like it actually like pause execution until you hit play. Like I want step debugging, but on a browser page and I don't want to actually use debugger because I want the rest of the browser page to still work. And I don't know if I could hook into debugger well enough to like make it a nice experience. So I'm like, how am I going to fake, fake this thing? Like, how do you actually interrupt like pause code in JavaScript? And I'm like, well, I guess at the breakpoints where I'd want to pause the code, I would need to like put the rest of the code in a callback and then store it to be like resumed. 
but then I'd have all these crazy nested callbacks. And I don't even know all the implications of this. Like it just kind of made my head spin for a minute. And I was like, I don't know if this is even possible. So then I thought I should create snapshots so that at all these different points in MorphDOM, I take little snapshots inside the algorithm. I take snapshots of the from HTML and the to HTML and store them in an array. And then you can step through that array of HTML snapshots. And that's actually not a bad idea. It's probably still something that like I could do and it would work pretty well, actually. Um, but I had an idea of something even cooler. It's like, well, JavaScript does have a concept of waiting, of like pausing mid-execution without a new like level of nesting promise or something. And that's async await. You can just use async await. The await key makes JavaScript wait until that thing is done to continue execution. It fakes synchronicity which is exactly what I want. And then I'm like, okay, so what if, so await, you can call, you can put in front of any function that returns a promise. It'll wait till that promise is resolved. So what if I have a function called breakpoint that returns a promise and then somehow I hook up like a button on the page that when you click it, I resolve that promise and then you can continue on. And then it hits another breakpoint and then it pauses at that breakpoint until you hit the button to resolve that promise. And, it, and I, so I tested it out and it works great. And I was like freaking out that I can literally like create this interactive morph dommer thing and actually use the actual morph dom code and actually have it actually pause um, mid, you know, mid morph with this. So I created this, this breakpoint function. And so the, the API will be like alpine.morph to do the morph. And then alpine, uh, you could pass in an option called debug equals true. And that will sort of set these breakpoints up to work instead of the nice thing is, is that when you're not debugging, they just disappear. Like, I mean, the breakpoint functions exist, but they're just short circuited. They just return, you know, true right away. Um, so they don't really cause any overhead to the code, but if breakpoint is true, it all works. And so you can also hook into the logging messages. So when I call this breakpoint function, I pass in a message. It's like added element, this change text to this change class to this. So then you're saying like, you can say alpine.morph, pass in the debug option. And then there's also alpine.log, where you can register a little log handler. Uh, you put in a callback, it accepts a message, and then you could like console log or do whatever you want with it. And that's the message of each uh, breakpoint. And then there's alpine, sorry, this is alpine.morph, alpine.morph.log, and now alpine.morph.step, which is the global function that you can use to step through the morph if you have debug equal to true. Um, so super simple API, it's basically step debugging, but in pure JavaScript without actually any internal um, debugging code or anything. It's just like straight up JavaScript, which I think is super cool. So I'm going to keep working on this. And I think this is going to be huge for these families of tools because, um, because MorphTom is very powerful, but when you run up against it, it's, it's hell because it's very difficult to debug. If you follow a few basic principles of using MorphDOM, you basically never run into issues. But I, I even get tripped up by those sometimes. Like sometimes you forget to adhere to them or whatever. It's just like I've spent so much time debugging MorphDOM. Any amount of time that I put into this little debugger, interactive debugger, is going to save so much time in the future. So I'm hoping that people who use these families of tools, Alpine, Livewire, Phoenix Live View, um, and any of these other tools that use something like MorphDOM um, will have a better tool than MorphDOM. Um, I'm grateful to the MorphDOM people. I really am for doing what they're doing and what they did. The original writer is basically done with it. And I think now the Phoenix Live View team 
Um, Scott Newcomer took it over. Chris McCord still works on it a little bit, but mostly Scott Newcomer. Um, so they they now maintain Morph Dom, and that's great. And of course, like in an ideal world, I just contribute back. Um, and I've talked to Chris personally about this, but there's a handful of things that I want in Morph Dom that would base would be like pretty heavy breaking changes, um, and they're not necessarily willing to do that. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, like I hope that Phoenix Live View can use this instead of Morph Dom because Morph Dom has like legacy things it has to carry around. And this is like very well tuned to projects like Livewire and Phoenix Live View. And the other thing that I didn't mention is that this Morph DOM is Alpine aware. So it just out of the box, if something like Phoenix Live View used it, all your Alpine code inside of your Live View components would just work automatically between morphs. Morph DOM, this Morph DOM is intelligent enough to maintain the Alpine state. Even as, cha- as it changes elements, it will preserve the Alpine state, um, which is a whole other fun topic that we can talk about at some point. Um, but yeah, so I'm super excited about it. I think this little await thing was a really fun thing for me. I don't know. I was like, I I don't know. It was just an exploration in JavaScript. I'm like, wait, would it be possible to, oh my gosh, it's totally possible. This is so cool. It's a pattern I haven't seen anywhere. Um, and I think it's probably powerful for other scenarios as well. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to share that with you. Thanks for hanging out. I will be seeing you on the flip side. Bye.